Hey friends, welcome to episode two of Haunted Real Estate. I'm Ashley. Hey you guys! Laney <laughs> here. This podcast is brought to you by Chipura Realty Team. So today's episode is about one of the most haunted and most fascinating castles in the world, which belongs to the Czech Republic, approximately 30 miles north of Prague, which is the capital city. Fun fact, Lainey and I are pretty, pretty, pretty Czech. Pretty Czech. Pretty Czech. So our, uh, we're pretty check on our dad's side. So uh, this was not intentional. Um, I knew about this castle and I thought it would be really fun to do an episode on it. Um, but an additional fun fact is we are actually also hosting a student from the Czech Republic right now. So, And he is awesome. I call him Frank. He um, might not have won a name drop, but we'll just say that. And that's all we're going to say about him. That's not his name. <laughs> but that's all you're going to know. <laughs> So today, this is Huska Castle. Huska. Huska. So the legend dates back to 878 AD of a half-man, half-animal creature from hell. Mythical creatures have all been told about this place. But after the castle... <laughs> Mythical creatures have all been told about this place? Mythical... Sorry, those are separate <laughs> thoughts. I like how you always call me out on that. Campfire stories to the mythical creatures. Yes. So there have been all sorts of creatures that have supposedly come out of Huska Castle. There are tons of different legends about this castle because it's so old. I mean, so the, the land itself... Um, the stories date back to 878. The castle itself does not get built until the 1200s. But after the castle was built, there have been additional crazy stories in addition to all the creatures that came out of it. A mad scientist, um, other colorful visitors such as the Nazis. Have Wait, is this where Frankenstein came from? Mad scientist in a castle? No. No? Okay. Okay. <laughs> The other colorful visitors include the Nazis. They also spent time in this castle. Um, This mysterious piece of property is three stories and it's early Gothic style. It's not what you would typically or what I would typically think of as Gothic, but inside it's definitely has a more Gothic architectural vibe. So to me, it's more like an old mansion, but I'm American. So, you know, clearly I am exposed to different kinds of architecture here. But so inside has more of those architectural vibes. So to me, it's like an old mansion, but it looks more like a prison because everything in it is, it's so unique. Everything actually faces inwards. So what while, does that mean? So like a typical castle faces, you know, its defenses are outwards. You're usually trying to protect the castle against something. Um, this <gasps> oh, so castle. to trap people inside or mythical creatures. Possibly. Okay, you're saying a lot of different things. Part of what you're saying, I'm going to say yes to. Um, So it faces uh, inwards, which is really what's one of the most mysterious things about the castle. Because while everybody tries to justify why it was built, and no, that was there for the king, it still doesn't make sense that there are no defenses outwardly. In addition to that part being strange, it was built on the side of a mountain, in a forest, around swamps, Without a kitchen, there are no trade routes nearby or any kind of water source. No kitchen? No and kitchen. a castle? That's so much space with no food. Exactly. So the question Separation. is, why did they go and build this castle? And it, it doesn't look like it was meant for people. I mean, there are rooms, rooms and things like that. But one of the other really odd features about this castle is a lot of the windows were fake. Ooh. Meaning 
there was a glass pane, but there was actually a wall directly behind them. That's really creepy. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a strange. Um, Could you imagine trying to escape and you finally get to a window and then there's just a freaking wall right there in front of it? Yeah, <gasps> that's a nightmare. Gross. So, like we said, the only defenses that existed here faced inward. Why? So, it's believed that this was actually built on the mouth of hell, which meant it was meant to keep something inside rather than enemies out. Interesting. It's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, the high school was, yes, Sunnydale. Exactly. This this is Sunnydale, except real. Um, so, let's... Wait, does that say something about you and I and our Czech blood? It's somewhere, you know, in our mother country, there's the opening to hell? No, it says nothing about us. Okay. <laughs> as long as it doesn't say... Maybe it's why we like spooky, I don't know, but I don't know what you're asking. We come but from the mouth of hell, people. I did so. not... I didn't come from the mouth of hell. I'm not going to speak for Lainey, but... So, anyway, before the castle was built, like I said, 878 stories were already being talked about with this um, with this area. So, according to lore in Bohemia, of course, because it was not always the Czech Republic, it wasn't always Czechoslovakia, it was Bohemia. So, there was a large crack in the limestone, or a hole. The hole was supposedly bottomless. They could never fill it. There were legends about giant winged creatures flying out at night to torment the villagers and eating their cattle. Oh. <laughs> kind of creepy. It is creepy. So villagers said that they'd see their neighbors getting dragged by creatures into the abyss. So tired of living in fear, there was an idea to put the put a structure around the mouth of hell. Oh gosh, the whole picture painted is just it's like the Wizard of Oz flying monkeys. Right. I people. I envision the the pitchforked villagers just, you know, they've had enough. So, come year 1200, or I'm sorry, not exactly 1200, but sometime in the 1200s, making this castle about 800 years old, this is the time that they decided to build. Um, So, its origins are a little bit murky. There's a couple different stories that have been told. Uh, The most common one is um, that it was actually built by the king, or the emperor, uh, Odakar II. Now, people say that it was likely an administrative center for him, but we go back to the missing key components when building a property is there needs to be a food and water source, and there's usually a kitchen in most properties, um, and there were none. Uh, But not only that, the land actually wasn't even ideal for hunting. So the only part they really had down as far as making this adequate property, um, it was the shelter, the shelter portion of that. The structure was erected, and there was a moat built around it. So today, there actually is no moat, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but um, the moat's gone today. So at Odokar's death, it changed hands through the aristocracy for many years. It had many owners, as you can imagine, with 800-year history. Uh, but why is it where it is? Nobody knows. Um, the mouth it, of hell. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> but why? But why in check? Why not anywhere else? Who knows? Devil makes his own decisions. I mean, maybe okay. there's multiple mouths of hell. I mean, or maybe there's a mouth of hell and a, and a butt Jack. of hell, or I don't know. The esophagus of hell. The esophagus of hell. So yeah, nobody really knows why it was built where it is and the way the structure is. So it just makes it more believable that it wasn't actually meant for anybody to stay in there, but for hellish creatures to come out into our world. Cool. So supposedly the time the castle was built uh, around this gaping limestone, but um, 
it wasn't initially filled or covered. They just built a structure around it. They wanted to learn what the heck is down there because, you know, human curiosity. Um, So what they did was they actually invited prisoners who were going to be put to death. They said, hey. They invited prisoners. They they did. So these prisoners were going to be put to death and they were like, hey, yo, instead of getting put to death, like, how about you go inside this hole? Tell us what you see, and we'll grant you a full pardon. Well, oddly enough, they knew what was down in that hole, or they had an idea. They know the stories that were told that a lot of people said no. So that goes to show, like, you would literally rather die than go down into this hole and possibly have freedom afterwards. Oh, my gosh. Would you go down the hole? You know, if I already knew I was going to die, then I might go down the hole. I mean, I feel like I would, but... You're you're a little more religious than I, so if you got stuck in the hole, this, I mean, I assume that means you're stuck in hell, so... So, well, you're right, but I, you know, I've never felt like I'm at the end of my life, though. Like a death row, <laughs> like a death row inmate okay, thing. you killed a bunch of people. Are you gonna get hanged? Out of gonna... context, I did not kill a bunch of people. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. Just put yourself in the shoes of a murderer. It's not easy, but, uh... I get it, but if yeah. you know that you're gonna be free, like, yeah, lower me down in that hole and I'm gonna be free afterwards. Doesn't matter how traumatic it is, I was gonna die anyway. Yeah. Like, that, that's my thought. That's what I think is a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, but there was one guy initially who said yes. Um, so this prisoner was young and healthy. He was a great candidate for this experiment. So they went ahead and they lowered him down by rope. And after a few minutes, he began screaming uncontrollably, begging to be let up. When they pulled him back up, his hair had gone completely white and he was wrinkled. He had aged approximately 30 years. So this is where Einstein came from? No. <laughs> Like everything you ask him, no. My brain goes Frankenstein or Einstein. No Stein came from here. Damn at the Stein. And he also supposedly began speaking in another language while he was in this like crazy, frantic state. Um, And he was just screaming until his voice was gone. And then, I mean, he just completely went insane. And then he actually pause. Just to forewarn you, there is a part coming up where I do start screaming. That's because I found a little friend in my hair, but we didn't want to take the audio out because it's just one of those funny things that happens on its own. So if you are driving, please just turn down your volume a little bit because we do not want to startle anybody. Okay, here we go. Okay, so our deepest apologies. Um, I was talking and ran my fingers through my hair, and there was a giant grasshopper in my hair. And so the last piece of that audio clip that we were recording, which you'll hear in a bit, um, I was screaming bloody murder because this is actually not the first time this has even happened to me. When Lainey and I were kids, we were driving to our lake house and we went to this really old, disgusting gas station in the middle of the night. Like, I remember there were grasshoppers everywhere and I was so freaked out to go to the bathroom and I went and we went in the car and then for 30 minutes, I felt a tickle in my hair and I kept trying to like scratch my head. And finally, after 30 minutes, a freaking big old, it was one of those like 
like roach crickets or something granddaddy grasshopper came out in my hand and i was like again screaming bloody murder in the car i was so terrified and now i just did it again it just happened and i mean i immediately scream when people scream because i don't know what they're screaming about but i'm scared yeah she pre she pre-reacts <laughs> Anyway, yeah, um, grasshopper. grass, grasshopper's okay. I didn't send him to his death or anything like that. Um, I pulled, I, I reacted clearly and pulled him out of my hair, and, and then he just sat on the table waiting. And then I took him and took him outside. He's okay. But anyway, um, my heart will never return back to normal pace. But we're good we, now. We had to tell you that story because we also are going to share the audio because it's too funny not to. But also didn't want to scare anyone because it is sudden screaming. Yes, because I'm talking and then I suddenly scream and so anyway <laughs> so great that's the explanation for that I'm terribly sorry uh, we are I don't even think we said at the beginning since our audio was very echoey last time we're now in my closet this time and so we brought in a side table a lamp and two um, lawn chairs yeah so two lawn chairs so the lawn chairs came from the garage and I guess he was just hanging out underneath or something because I didn't see him <laughs> Anyway, okay, we're good now. We're now moving on. Back to our re regularly scheduled podcast. <laughs> so we were talking about the prisoner that was let down uh, by a rope into the mouth of hell. He was screaming uncontrollably till he lost his voice. His hair went white and he had aged 30 years. Also, he died of just a few days after he went down that hole. So hoping that was a one-off. They supposedly did the experiment several more times with other prisoners, and they all ended up with basically the same result. None survived long after going down into the hole. So sometime at this point, they decided, yeah, this is the entrance to hell, and we's gonna need to cover it. So that is what they did. So the hole has been covered and is covered today, and now there's a chapel inside the castle and around the hole. Very cool. And so one of the ladies that does ghost tours, uh, her name is Hannah McGee. She does ghost tours for Huska Castle. A lot of the info I did take from her website because she is somebody who regularly today still goes in and out of the castle. So she's a great source of information. So Hannah McGee, from her website, mcgeeghosttours.com, she details the artwork. So I took this straight from her website. So the chapel was then dedicated to the archangel Michael, the leader of God's armies. Uh, I'm sorry, and the leader of God's armies in the fight against hordes of hell. Oh. Faded frescoes on the chapel walls, some of the oldest found in Europe, which date back to the early 1400s, depict Michael in two scenes. In one scene, he is fighting a dragon, which is a symbol of hell. And in the other scene, he holds a sword in one hand and a set of scales in the other, and it's weighing souls at the last judgment. And the third scene is he's John Travolta in the movie Michael. Okay, Lainey's just full of it. <laughs> that was a weird movie. I've never put that... I, I didn't... I don't know if that actually had meaning, but... No. Okay, I haven't seen that movie so long, and I can't say anything. Well, well, let me finish my quote here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, depicted are also the scenes of the crucifixion and St. Christopher. But what's strange about the chapel frescoes is that on one of the walls can be seen a figure unlike any other found in paintings of the time. Here we see a creature with an upper body of a woman and the lower body of a horse, Ooh. holding a bow in the right hand and with her left hand aiming an arrow at a human figure. 
Not only is it exceedingly unusual to find a representation of a centaur, a creature of pagan mythology, adorning the walls of a church, but it also is one of the only known extant pictures of a left-handed female archer. In the Middle Ages, left-handedness was associated with Satan, and researchers believe that this picture is linked to stories of half-human animals which were, which were believed to emerge from the gateway of hell buried beneath the chapel floors. Now, what were you going to say? Um... Yeah, I don't remember now, but I've never heard of a female centaur. I know the left-handed thing, but that's interesting. Yeah, so I was actually going to go into just a little side story about... Lilith? What? Lilith? Isn't she a... I don't know. Associated with the devil? That, I think so, yes. Okay. Don't take me at fact, because I'm not looking it up this second. Okay. <laughs> um, so, left-handed people actually lived in fear of being accused of witchcraft. Many people believed that left-handed people served Satan. No offense to our left-handed friends. Um, they used to, like, force people to write with their right hand if they were naturally left-handed. Right, yeah. We don't want you serving Satan, so you're going to go ahead and be right-handed now? Maybe it was easy to hide until humans started making tools, and a lot of tools are actually made for right-handed people, so it pretty much only gives you that one option. But what's interesting is the Bible also gives praise to right-handedness at least a hundred times, and 25 negative references towards left-handedness. So, from lefthandersday.com... <laughs> what? <laughs> that sounds like a masturbation it, site. Oh my gosh. I hope it's not. I don't think it is. Um... <laughs> I always go down these, like, little rabbit holes. I'm like, oh, man, I need to learn more about left-handedness because I'm right-handed, so I, I, I don't know the woes of a, the left-handed. Um, but they took some snippets from the Bible. So uh, one says, the right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly, and the right hand of the Lord is exalted. Psalms 118. Um, another one, the left hand does worst in the parable of the sheep and goats. The sheep are set on Christ's right hands and the goats on the left. Those on the right inherit the kingdom of God, while those on the left depart into everlasting fire. And then the last one. So the devil is nearly always portrayed as left-handed, and evil spirits lurk over the left shoulder. And remember, like, the angel on the left, devil on the right? Mm -hmm. That's why you're also supposed to throw salt over your left shoulder to ward off yes. Satan. So... Suffice it to say, there's a lot of discrimination towards left-handed people back in the day. Um, it's only in recent history that people don't really care which hand of yours is dominant. That's that's so nice. And now I'm we glad look we're at a it a little more open now. Yeah, and how we associate left-handedness with using the left side of your brain, which is supposed to be the creative side of your brain. Yeah. So anyway, back to the story. So the chapel in Huska is a really interesting space. The owners today do sometimes host weddings there. They say that the atmosphere is very strange and has a very heavy feeling. Um, the light bulbs are frequently bursting out of nowhere in the chapel, which they oh. had several electricians inspect, and there is no answer as to why. I would poop my pants if light bulbs exploded yeah. around me. I just know. Right, like when a light bulb goes off, it's already a little jolting, especially if it's like the only light. Like, yeah. you usually have a lamp on and it goes out. But, but like, bursting, it's it, for me, it's pretty much of a walkout of the house situation. Uh, Go ahead and call my local priest and, yeah, we're going to pray over every room here now. Yes. So, the castle sat vacant for years. Uh, about 1584, they did decide to renovate the castle into a more Renaissance style. And then in the 1600s, after the Thirty Years' War, many castles had to bring down their defenses at the order of Emperor Ferdinand III, uh, Ferdinand allowed for private castles, but no longer wanted them to be used for defense. Of course, this whole castle did not have a whole lot of defense to begin with, so that's, that's cool. 
thank you for saying that because that's when the moat was removed. Oh, okay. This is where they lost the moat. We're literally my next words. All right. <laughs> but thanks for following along. Uh, so post 30 years war, the castle sat, sat empty for a little bit. Uh, 1630, a new resident made their home in Huska Castle by the name of Aranto. He was a Swedish alchemist, or like a scientist, uh, but he also dabbled in black magic. Why Huska, you ask? Why Huska? Why Huska? It said that he was conducting experiments on the local villagers to find the secret to eternal life. A lot of people believe that this castle has powers because it's at the mouth of hell. Well, clearly, whether it's you know, good powers or bad powers, it's still powerful. Um, so it's going to attract a lot of the, the crazy people to try and unlock that power, which is what happened here with Aranto. Um, he wanted to unlock the powers that the property held. And to do this, he would practice animal sacrifice. He ordered his men to steal what he or they wanted out of the village, as well as permitting them to rape whomever they wanted. Shut up. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no <I> Villagers <laughs> said they heard strange noises throughout the night coming from the castle, um, as well as strange lights during odd hours. So fed up with this crazy scientist, there was actually a reward given to anyone who would kill these men. So two hunters took, took up that offer and shot him through one of the actual windows of the castle, and he died in the main hall. And today, he is known as one of the ghosts that are prowling there. Ooh. Now, the next one... It, this is where it gets a little bit more difficult to find information because there's a lot of translation that had to be done and some things don't translate exact to English. Um, but in 1836, there was a Czech poet named Karl Heinek, I want to say Macha, but it could be Macha, and I should have asked our foreign exchange student how to pronounce that, and I did not. He went and spent one night in the castle, and that was his plan. He liked to castle hop and write poems. I would love to castle hop. It would be interesting. It would, yes. yes. Um, from a letter he wrote to his friend, he detailed a nightmare that he had during his stay. But this nightmare was considered more like a vision that he had in his sleep. So souls were taken into the pit of the castle in his dream. And then the souls were actually transported to Prague 2006. So in his vision slash nightmare, he's brought to 2006. Remember, again, this is 1836 that this is happening. So he talks about some of the technology of 2006. He talks about yellow lights coming from holes in the cliff of Prague. Now, according to the checked website that takes this letter and basically dissects it. Is that street lights? It's apartment lights. Oh. Yeah. So there are now apartments near that cliff that he's talking about. And, of course, electricity is more of a yellow light. So that is what people think he's talking about, the electricity from the apartments. Uh, he also talks about people being blind in 2006, which is as interpreted as people wearing sunglasses. Oh. So he just assumed them both. to be blind. We're also both wearing glasses because we are actually you know, poor of eyesight. I, so, <laughs> so I'm not visually impaired. I need blue light glasses, though. All right. Well, I am almost I mean, legally blind. To, so well, to I be. would say a lot of us are a lot more blind, probably, than they were. Yeah, because of all the books you read, right? So many books. <laughs> so many. Oh, uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder in my heyday. <laughs> I mean, I, I did. I had LASIK, so I did have prescription. Um, but now it's not so much the prescription, but my eyes hurt to light. Like right now in our closet, I'm sorry, well, my closet, I have like an orange bulb in the one lamp we had. So we turned off the closet like, I need an ambiance. So there's like an orange light, but that's all the light that's in here right now. Yeah. Um, light Light's hard. I work in um, the 
IT world, and I'm always in a computer, so I get the blue light. Yeah. I've got all the layers on my glasses. Oh, okay. My eyes I just have the blue light. aren't this big. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Magnifying your eyes. <laughs> so he also talks about rushing crowds getting, quote, being sucked up. I'm sorry. Rushing crowds sucking up the unfortunates, which has been inferred today as buses, which is the primary form of transportation in Prague, um, so that buses are sucking up these people. Um, he does go into interesting detail about buildings and greenery, and he also talks about seeing a pit. There is an actual apartment building in the city that people think was what was in his vision. He said in the dream that there was a high metal fence around a pit. There is a pit there today, but there's actually no metal fence. The citizens have requested a fence to a fence to be put around this particular pit. I don't know how deep it was. There wasn't a whole lot of information about it because it was really just related to uh, this poet's letter when they were talking about it. So there's no metal fence, but the citizens have asked for a fence to be put there so that people wouldn't get hurt. So was this a dream or was this an actual vision? Of course, it's it's so broad that yeah. it, it can be interpreted as either. Um, but a lot of people do believe it was a vision. Wait, when was this guy's stuff found? His the- letter was 1836. And so they found it in 1836? Or yeah. this well, like... Well, he wrote, I, it, I, I he wrote it to a friend in 1836, and I guess it was kept. I guess I'm questioning if it was discovered in around 2006, if someone's just saying stuff. You know, I'm skeptical on those No, things, I'm pretty but. sure... Oh, gosh. Now I have to think that. I did actually read the letter, but it's written in Czech, so I can't read it. I had to read the interpretation, but I think it actually said 2006, like, in his letter. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. Um, 1897, the castle was purchased by a princess. This was a very brief and nondescript side story. So nothing really happened there that I know of. And then in 1920, it was purchased by the Simonek family. I hope that's how you pronounce it. And their family today still owns the castle. So there was a brief time, though, that there was another guest in Huskakot. Castle. It was the Nazis. <laughs> Sorry, I think I was taken over there by a spirit for a skinny second. You uh, introduced the Nazis like a sweet old Castle, the, the Nazis. Well, welcome to the Nazis. Sorry. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> okay. This is where I start going down a crazy rabbit hole. I'm so excited. So during 1939 to 1945. The SS took over the castle. Now, remember, Czechoslovakia was the first to fall to the Axis powers in World War II. Almost immediately, the Nazis occupied Huska. Of course they did. It's a castle where they can trap people. It's like right (laughs) up their alley. So there is no strategic value to the placement of this castle, which we talked about. So going into the 1930s and 40s, there's still no strategic value to, to this property. But we know that there's lots of stories about Nazi experiments and... In true Nazi form, they did destroy a lot of the evidence uh, of what they were doing in the castle. Um, and like we've said before, bad guys like to cover up their misdeeds. But it is true that there was something sinister going on there with the Nazis. Always. I mean, there's there's not usually happy, great giving stories. Right. That the Nazis are Nazis. kind of the biggest tool that and they Earth ever created. And to thousands of people, said yeah. no one ever. Yeah. So... 
While all the documents may have been taken or destroyed by Hitler's men, there have been skeletons uh, of um, the SS soldiers and other things that I found that have left a bit of evidence. We do know they were there. They just were really good about hiding exactly what, what they were doing there. So let's talk about some of the possibilities and some of the stories that have gone around. Um, so one was breeding the perfect Aryan race, which we know is something that the Nazis were trying to successfully do. They were thought to be bringing in the perfect Aryan women and raping them or doing something to create their perfect race or using the castle for its supposed powers to build a supernatural weapon, which if you're asking me, which I'm just going to pretend you are, I would think they're actually trying to build a supernatural weapon. Tons of books and articles have been dedicated to major Nazi leaders, not just Hitler, um, but men that were very close to him and their belief in the supernatural, which includes werewolves and vampires and witches. <laughs> I'm just picturing Hitler and, like, obviously, like, what I know from movies, it's definitely, like, made to be funnier, like, in Glorious Bastards. Okay, I was going to say, your <laughs> references in Glorious Bastards. Yes, but, like, I'm just thinking of Hitler, like, yeah, superpower, super, super human power, weapons, just, yeah. like, freaking out about... I think that's exactly, I don't know, I just think that's exactly how he was. Bring on the werewolves! <laughs> I mean, we do know for real, though, Himmler and Hitler actively tried to search for the Holy Grail. They obtained what they believed to be the spear that pierced Jesus. Like, he really did go out there and look for I mean, anything I, I, he I thought. I kind of love that. Not about Hitler, but just, like, I love that he looked for these things, because I just asked you the other day if you thought ching changelings were, like, Santa, or do you think they actually existed? <laughs> yeah. You know, I like to believe stupid shit. So. Right, that, that there is some belief in the supernatural. Well, yeah. I mean, I believe that there there's an element of that i mean yes i go to church i'm a christian okay obviously i'm here doing this podcast because i also like horror and spooky stories so i'm not trying to be like that hypocritical person um i like those things but even believing in god and jesus and jesus rising from the dead yeah. uh, that's supernatural your yeah. regular person's not doing that so i think if you're even a christian and you believe in that there is an element to a supernatural that you can still believe very true very true you made very good point. I'm thinking werewolves, not Jesus, but... <laughs> no, I know. I know. But what I'm saying is, is you can't completely be like, no, there's no no way that there's X, Y, and Z. Well, yeah. if I believe that Jesus rose from the grave, why? then how is something else so unfathomable? True. Um, so back to Huska. For 800 years, Huska. the land... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> For 800 years, the land has been known uh, to have some sort of supernatural power and has been used and visited by many for that sole purpose. So, of course, I believe that Hitler got word of this and he would send his men immediately, 1939, hey, I just got Czechoslovakia, let me go ahead and uh, take over this castle. Hitler has been connected to the occult and occult rituals. There have been books found in Hitler's library to support this, but also Winston Churchill himself, before all the things we discovered today about Hitler, also believed him to be connected to the occult. Interesting. Now today, of course, there's plenty of evidence to back this up, um, and more and more evidence will continue to be discovered and analyzed. Um, but honestly, I cannot even continue to talk about Huska without talking about Hitler and the occult, because it just leaves... <laughs> I love the... Look at a background whisper. Huska. Huska. So, um, 
for sure two important people you need to know here just because we're talking about this is Hitler and Himmler. Um, Goebbels is also one of his other main guys. Uh, Himmler was the main architect of the Holocaust. He's the uh, ultimate douche lord of the century. Skidmark on the underpants of society. Thank you. Yes. A little dodgeball reference there. <laughs> Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that Himmler was also in charge of the witch division of the SS. Shut up! I yeah. did not know this. Yeah. He was a known oddball. Oh my gosh, could you imagine, like, interviewing for the witch division? Like, I want to be in this division. Yeah, totally. What? Yeah, okay, not agreeing with their cause. We actually have a strong Jewish background ourselves, so this is in yeah. no support to this ultimate horrific human being nazi or hitler but there are just those like historical things that are just like so fascinating i just i could just read all about it but anyway himmler a known oddball he was raised christian but wanted to create his own religion just a little side note about himmler i mean he was raised christian his dad was really hard on him he was kind of a weak child um his dad had high hopes for him to be like this strong german man and be in the military and he wasn't um his dad had to pull some strings to get him in the military uh which we know obviously he was a part of that um but he's he's not known to be like some strong fighter or something like that um or at least he did not grow up that way now we know he did horrific things um so he's like um excuse me listeners like little dick syndrome like he's just like a tiny little man that just like does a lot of asshole things uh mixed with um a little psychoticness oh yeah some murder here and there yeah so this is where uh he dove deep into the supernatural so witches are in a lot of german fairy tales uh in part thanks to brothers Grimm and hansel and gretel witches were uh, very popular popular in stories in germany so hitler's witch division collected thousands of documents from way back hundreds to thousands of years Believing, he believed that witches were actually good, that they were just practicing an ancient German religion, and that they were natural healers, Himmler believed. It was the Jews and the Catholics who started these witch hunts, in part to destroy German culture, but to also destroy these ancient German beliefs. And of course, to erase those beliefs, you got to take out those who are carrying it out, which are the witches. So... In reality, okay, not Himmler's fantasy. The witch witch hunts were not led specifically by Catholics or Jews. There were even several Catholic priests that were convicted of being witches. So it wasn't like the Catholic Church specifically going after or Jews. I can't think of one Jewish story I've ever heard. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm very interested in like witch hunts. And so they're horrific stories. Um But again, it's just that morbid curiosity and a lover of history. You got to know those things. I can't think of one Jewish story I've heard of where Jews specifically were going after witches. So that is just like a tall tale you made up in your mind. I mean, I think way back when a lot of people did. It's probably Jews too, but not specifically. Yeah, not specifically Jews going after witches. So from what we know now and from world history, witches have never really been looked upon favorably by almost any group ever. Um, And that's religious or secular. It doesn't matter. Witches have always been painted negatively, not just in German culture, cultures all around the world. Witch hunts weren't specific here to Salem or Germany. They were all over the world. I mean, more specifically, I would say the Western Hemisphere, but 
part of that could just be because I don't know what they were talking about, which wise in the Eastern Hemisphere. So Himmler cared little about actual historical facts. Like it seems like a lot of Nazis don't care about historical facts. Well, no, just just their own made up facts. Right. It's a lot easier to just create your own narrative and completely change the past, which we know the Nazis did. They burned books and all sorts of things. Pretend like that didn't happen because it's more convenient to come up with their own story, which is what he did. So ultimately, what came out of uh, this whole witch division and all these documents was them debunking themselves because none of the evidence they gathered actually supported uh, their so-called findings. Of course, they still went and told a story. I love when idiots, like, realize they're idiots, even if they lie about it, but, like... Right, and they hold some kind of power, like, some, some position of authority, and they're just spouting out all this nonsense yeah and unfortunately people were in such a desperate economic state they just kind of believe it i mean i don't i and i think they believe it to an extent or we're too scared to say otherwise but also i I mean we we see it not to actually get political here but we see it today in politics you know republican or democrat like with all the media and stuff, we believe so much stuff that we see that like may or may not be happening. Right, exactly. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, but back then, I think it's a lot easier to lie to people because there's no Google to go fact check anybody. But again, we know they were in such a desperate state, which is how the Nazis rose to power anyway. Um, there has also been lots of documentation and still research is being done today that Hitler believed in vampires. So specifically, <laughs> again, this is a little murky. Um, he specifically believed in Jews as vampires. Of course he did. So there is document uh, documented references to vampires and Nazi propaganda, pamphlets, and, um, and Mein Kampf, uh, the book that he wrote. He refers to Jews as bloodsuckers and always looking for hosts to drain. Um, whether he took this literally, I don't know. But as far as like the propaganda goes, he definitely draws them out or has them. He has them illustrated as vampires. So why are canines are so sharp? I that I'm is. Kidding. Oh my god! I'm like, are you serious? That's <laughs> not a Jewish thing. That's a human eating thing. <laughs> Ours are actually not that sharp either. <laughs> oh my god! Of course we're vampires. I mean, if I, we had to choose, we'd like to be witches. Yeah, but, but we don't suck blood. We do it to chew meat. Yes. That I was meat. going to tear my steak. Yes. Delicious. So, what he literally believed is still a little bit of a question mark. Um... I, he could have been using it as a metaphor. Maybe he believed it. Maybe he didn't. He could easily be trying to prey on the gullibility of his followers. He definitely scared the pants off people because there were people that, whether they supported it or not, were not openly against the Holocaust. So a lot of things still happened um, because of all of this misinformation he's putting out there. Uh, and lastly, because I'm not going to go down a huge Nazi rabbit hole, uh, let's talk about the werewolves. Yeah. So... Still a wacko, Himmler supported the werewolf idea. Again, whether he fully believed in it, I we don't really know, and documents are still being found on it, but... Wait, can I just real... And if you get into it, I'm sorry, but... Did he have, like, posters and stuff, like, planted around towns about werewolves? It might be depicting like, werewolves. Was, was it a thought in his head, or did he actually, like, put no, there were political there were, speeches? There were illustrations of werewolves. Oh but gosh. again, 
literally, what do you believe in your mind? You believe people to be werewolves? I, that I don't really know. So let's just say for the sake of argument, he didn't literally believe them to be werewolves, but he was using the werewolf idea, which I'm about to talk about before you ask me. Okay. Um, so it, it may have been less a belief than um, actual werewolves. So it is possible that he was just attaching a werewolf idea to warfare. So a book that's out there, which is super, super interesting, uh, it's called Hitler's Monsters, A Supernatural History of the Third Reich. This is a quote from that. Uh, according to 19th and early 20th century German folklorists, werewolves represented flawed but well-meaning characters who may be bestial but are tied to the woods the blood and the soil they represented german strength and purity against interlopers so while he clung to the supernatural idea of werewolves the werewolves he actually i guess would say he had were more like guerrilla fighters and they were german citizens that lived villages all around but um, especially in border areas so when the war was starting to come to an end so we're looking 44 45 here um he he, Hitler, also encouraged people to fight any Allied troop that passed them by. So basically, he's like, hey, you see an Allied troop passing by your farm? Go ahead and take them out. Now, this was primarily done at night, hence the werewolf. Now, this did little to help the cause for the Axis powers because they were already losing the war and the Allies were storming in pretty quickly. So, you know, a few farmers on the border here and there weren't going to get the job done. But Kurlander, who wrote the book, um... The Supernatural History of the Third Reich, he said, it's fascinating to me that even when everything is coming down around them, the Nazis resort to a supernatural mythological trope in order to define their last-ditch efforts. And it's fascinating to see how the Nazis and other occult, and the occult, I'm sorry, um, spread their beliefs. But could you even imagine if American foreign policy was based on the supernatural? No. Like, had they written books and had that kind of crazy propaganda? Like, like during the Vietnam War, if they created propaganda that was anti-Viet Cong and referred to them as, like, hellhounds and making Americans believe that the Viet Cong were, like, hellhounds coming out to take Americans. Can you imagine how scary the world would feel? Oh yeah. my gosh, that would be insane. Like, it, just all this information getting, it just, it, it's wild to me when you read all this Nazi propaganda, whether they believed a lot of what they put out there or not, you're still trying to make others believe it, and that's what's just That's so bonkers. Like, wild. we love to listen to all this stuff stuff and hear about it but why preach that to the anyone else you know don't it, wow it's a desperate state and you know these people are desperate and they're so desperate yeah and just, that's what's really sad about everything they're also murderers so you just can't understand their brains yeah. So the Nazis even hired writers. They actually also hired astrologists. So that's just, not to say that like that's a supernatural thing. Take astrology for what you will. Um, but they did hire astrologists to help write up their propaganda and spread their fanatical beliefs or at least what they wanted people to believe. So circling back to Huska, of course, Huska. <laughs> of course they wanted to near the gateway to hell they wanted to get as close as possible and use any supernatural powers they could to build this possible super we uh, weapon so coming straight from McGee's ghost tours website I here's another thing I pulled from her website um, it's also been proposed that Huska was one of the SS secret breeding farms like we were just saying with the Aryan uh, women a location where young women of acceptable blood were given stud services by able-bodied SS troopers in the ongoing efforts to breed the master race whatever 
Over its significance to the Nazis, after the war, it was necessary to clear the castle of landmines. And that is also the reason why the current owners will not allow excavation inside the castle to determine the existence of the supposed bottomless crack in the limestone for fear of the possible existence of undiscovered German explosives. So you asked me earlier, why don't they just go in and see if there's still a hole there? That's the reason why, because there's the possibility of German landmines that the that the troops had left behind. Um, well, we have today's technology. They can send drones down there. Well, on top of that, I kind of am not sure I want to know. I mean... I want to know. I I, mean, it's I, like you want to know, but like, God forbid, it's the worst case scenario. Like Ghostbusters, you freaking shut off all the equipment and it gets allowed into the atmosphere. Atmosphere. I don't know what I was trying to say. Yeah, atmosphere. 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 And like... All hell breaks loose, you know? I don't know. I know, but... I know it's human curiosity, but, like, God, we're going to be the cause of our own demise. I know, but I love all those shows that, like, don't make sense, like, Lost, and there's, like, a newer one called La Brea, where they fell through a hole in California and end up in ancient times where, you know, mammoths are walking around, Hmm. and, like, the police can't figure out like why signal was lost and i'm like would signal be lost just send a drone and see if signal gets lost on its way to hell or but if it does that that drone's gone once it's lost signal so what it's a drone that's it's a small price to pay to find out if what we're facing. I still might... don't fully understand the Bermuda Triangle. I know. Send a drone. No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, that's been a part of the problem is that, like, things lose signal, lose sight, you know, and it's just, it's one of the world's greatest mysteries. I know, and I love the mystery. And sometimes I have a love-hate relationship with technology, but one day we're going to figure it out. Yeah. One day. And I just can't wait to know because it's probably going to be a dumbass answer. <laughs> yeah, like there's a, just some clouds in the Bermuda Triangle, and no one seems to be able to. Well, it's like a like a phone lines down, but like something equivalent to yeah. Bermuda Triangle. But like, the Bermuda Triangle has those, a long history too of I know so, all sorts. Of, maybe that's something we'll have to cover one day. Like a a boathouse, a haunted boathouse. Still has to that's be. That's not where I was going, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Um. So, post-war, the owners did get their property back, because I said it's been the same owner since the 1920s, or the same family since the 1920s. So, let's talk about Huska today. Huska. Huska. More recent stories coming from Huska. We talked about weddings being held in the chapel and the bursting bulbs. Um, it's also not uncommon, though, for guests to faint in the chapel. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> Genuine reaction. Uh, uh, screw that. Yeah, I, they just talked about, like, going in there, and it's kind of an unexplainable feeling. Um, and, of course, everybody has their their different reactions. I'm sure one person walks in and is like, this is stupid, I feel nothing, and another person feels something else. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's partly, like, I feel like more people are attuned to the environment and the atmosphere, and somebody oh, else sure. just doesn't have that ability. Oh, yeah. A lot of people... I mean, we've talked about that before, yeah. too, like... There are times I've felt, like, heaviness and stuff like that, but I don't think I've ever seen a ghost, you know? But our mom would say that she would see ghosts sometimes. Yeah. And so I just feel like some people are more in tune to it and some aren't. Like, but but I have felt, like, heavy feelings, like, where, you know, I think, like, I really feel like something bad happened here. Yeah. Um, but, oh. like, do I see what happened? Am I getting a vision? No. Nothing like that. Yeah. I've never seen. I've, I've felt physically and internally. Yeah. Definitely felt a ghost to Buffalo. Wait, physically you felt a ghost? 
Yes, I told you how my ass got slapped oh, in my yeah. kitchen. Like, no, thank you. And Liz was in the shower. God, that's so creepy. My roommate. I forgot about time, that. That really freaked me out when you told me that. Yeah, no, I definitely, like, th- it was weird. It was just a weird moment of shock. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, enough, of- it's enough being harassed by the living, but God, the God. dead coming after in me now. In my own kitchen. In my own kitchen. <laughs> um okay so the castle does have sudden temperature changes okay and again me being a little bit of a skeptic but sometimes a believer like but let's you know let's keep our minds open sudden temperature changes it's also an 800 year castle but they do walk around um the tour guide is not just mcgee she has other hired people that are in the castle with her they walk around with thermometers and um there was once where they one of the girls was standing in the basement and this this was the documentary that I was watching about it, um, was standing in the basement and the temperature would get very hot and then very cold. And then some of it was, um, you know, an outward temperature, but then sometimes it was like her physical temperature. She would be very cold and then she would be like sweating all of a sudden. Um, Sitting me on a daily basis. (laughs) (laughs) They got pills for that, you know? (laughs) So the basement is where one of Huska's most famous ghosts hangs out. They call him the guardian and his presence is very hot. So people would say suddenly they would get really hot and sweaty when he was near when maybe it was, you know, 50 degrees or just very chilly for an indoor space before that. Um, And a ton of ghost hunters go in there and and try and detect for him. Um, But he is he's one of the most famous ones. They also use electromagnetic technology, which is supposed to detect supernatural entities. And this machine, it changes color if a ghost is near it. Like I would, you know, like if I'm watching it, it it was like a red light that was going off anytime it did detected any kind of movement near it oh so ghost hunters will put it like at one end end of the room and they'll go to the other end and then they're talking to the ghosts directly see i would want to be around a haunted place and you know live in it i feel like i've lived in a lot of old houses to where i've you know felt it but i don't want a freaking light to tell me when it's there like that would scare me the confirmation that something is walking by like okay hey and and a lot of (laughs) jeffrey And a lot of times they, they, I mean, they typically direct ghosts to go to it. So like, go walk over there to my electromagnetic, whatever. And, you know, and then it'll change color. Throw a ghost treat to it. No, but you just tell them like, let me know that you're here by walking past it. Um, See, just, I'm sweating already. (laughs) Is that the guardian? Um, well, so the light color changing happens all throughout Huska. Um, they've also, Huska, they've also left cameras overnight and they leave them predominantly around the chapel because that's when they, that, I mean, of course, that's where they think the mouth of hell is. So that's where they believe the most activity is going to come from. Uh, the cameras were frequently being triggered by movement and um, the camera, the pictures that were actually being taken would show it steadily getting more misty. And then there would be light orbs, which a lot of people associate as spirits. Like that's the only way to take a picture of a spirit is you just see the orbs, which that's the pictures that I came home with from New Orleans, which always gave me the heebie-jeebies. So what also a lot of ghost hunters are using of late are um, what they call spirit boxes. Uh, That's how they try to actually talk to the dead. So the spirit boxes use multiple radio frequencies to pick up sounds and voices. Some were, some, you know, when they use it are, like the voices can come out very clear. Like it sounds like another person is just talking back to you from a walkie-talkie. No, thank you. Yeah. So, um, obviously I'm a little bit of a skeptic but there are big believers in the spirit boxes it's one of the 
most beloved items by um, a ghost hunter. So one of the issues with the spirit box on Huska though is that a lot of the tourists that come in there are ghost hunters go in speaking English and the ghosts were not English speakers. Oh, um, God, could you imagine just, especially if it was German and we don't know German and it's aggressive language, if that came back and I would die. <laughs> I'm already getting teary-eyed thinking about <laughs> the German ghosts speaking to me. The, the first response, yeah, bye. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> just Yeah, so they usually speak back in whatever their native language was, which I don't know if it gives it more legitimacy. I, I I find that really interesting is because I may, I don't know, I might not even think about the fact that they would respond in English and whatever, but uh, they don't. So, um, Yeramir Simonek is the current owner, um, and it's a father-daughter I was watching in the, what? I'm thinking about German ghosts. Oh my gosh. God, her face is so emotional right now. It's freaking me out. <laughs> So Yeramir, the current owner, does believe that the, his property is haunted. Um, he is very skeptical about it being the mouth of hell. Uh, he believes that most of the spirits in there are not um, wanting to harm people. He has had a few of his own encounters, and he did talk about it, too, in the documentary that I was watching. Um, he does not live in the castle, and the castle today is still strangely strangely located. The roads make it difficult to get to. Well, how um, does anyone live there today if there's still no freaking kitchen? I think today there is a kitchen. It was not originally built with those things. Well, and, and some of the windows now, there are more windows than there were. Like, they actually made a lot of them more legitimate windows since more people have been occupied occupying the property. I'd like to look into the reconstruction. Did a bunch of people die constructing the new windows and kitchen? Well, they don't even know who constructed it. Oh. Defin like, we think it was Odakar, but they don't even definitively know. There was a whole other story that, um... Same oh gosh, I, I, did, I didn't even write it down because I focused more on Odegar, but um, it was like a father building it for his son who was like Huskeska or something like that. But oh. there's no completely known origin to how this was built, so they definitely don't know like the well, builders. I, well, yeah, but I'm just saying when they like redid stuff, like who did that? And like did those people make it out safely in their con reconstruction? That's a good question. And the answer is no one knows. I thought you were just going to say no again. <laughs> no, I'm not definitely telling you no this time. This time, I don't know. But because they don't even know the origins, they don't know who built it. It wasn't David Weekly or Lennar or anybody like that. I'll tell you that. Lainey? No. <laughs> um, there is a hunting room that's filled with all of his trophy animals up on the wall. So to me, that is just creepy. Even being from Texas, I'm not a huge fan of the trophy animals. Um but he says in that room you hear stomping and wheezing. Um, it's a spirit. Just me. Yeah. <laughs> Just asthmatic Laney hanging out. <laughs> um, he believes that there's a spirit that um, frequents that room that's a little bit more sinister than the other spirits. Um, but none of them have hurt anybody to his knowledge. Uh, so for years, there have also been dead birds found around the property. Oh. Now, again, if I'm just playing devil's advocate here, is it a supernatural force that's killing these birds? Or is it because there's this random castle, you know, in a heavily wooded area and they're like, bloop, pop, didn't even know that there was something there because it was just, you know. But there's no kitchen, so they're going to shoot the birds. You are you so know. focused on that kitchen. I'm pretty I... sure there's a kitchen now. As a lover of cooking? Because they and food. Well, they host parties and weddings there now, so I'm pretty sure they have now built a kitchen. And they did those renovations in the 1600s. So I think I think for 400 years there wasn't a kitchen, and now there is a kitchen. I'm being bitch better have a kitchen. Okay, well, 
the house you buy can't have a kitchen. Let Huska be Huska. The Martha Stewart in me needs a kitchen there. (laughs) But there's also, of course, people bring their dogs by the castle. Dogs have not been a fan of Huska. They either won't go in, they run away, or they will not stop barking at things that are not visible to the human eye, which that one always gets me because you know, me out. I hate it. our cat at our, okay, so we moved about a year ago. Before that, our old house, it was built in 2001, okay, it wasn't like an old house, of course. The property it was built on, um, our neighborhood was built on old farmland, so anything could have happened on that land, I don't know. So maybe our house isn't haunted, but the land is, who knows. Our cat would play with things that were not there, and it always weirded us out, but we dismissed it because we'd only had that cat in that house. We would just joke that he played with a ghost, but he literally would chase things and paw at things that was nothing was there not a bug not anything and now in this house he does not do that and so i'm like okay gary gary's our cat gary was playing with something because he was like chasing and pouncing and pawing at things that weren't there and now in a full year he's not once done that here and you think he's pawing that is one of our dogs or something yeah um at my old place maxine would bark in a corner of like my office space area and at my new place she's always freaking staring behind me in my bedroom i've sent you pictures like i hate Mm -hmm. when she stares past you in the doorway it stares past me and all there is behind me is the window and like two feet of backyard space and a fence to the next neighbor's place it really freaks me out i always joke like my mom is behind me (laughs) our mom passed away in 2016 but uh i'm just like what the hell is she looking at like i know what my old place was like 1920s this place is not that old it's just super weird how animals react to stuff it is but i also think like just because your structure may be new that does not like how many things happen on that land that that land is millions of years old you found her great grandmother so Ashley's been looking on Ancestry. Oh my god, I did not know family, where you were going with that. She was telling me that. Um, was it? Okay, I'm just going to talk because she's clearly stumbling here. Uh, um, so I don't remember. <laughs> I was <laughs> let me say it. I wasn't on Ancestry. On an- so I've been researching our Ancestry, and one of the things that I found is that our great-great-grandmother also lived in the same area that Lainey lived in, in Houston, which is kind of an older area. So it's really neat, because we're pretty much from the suburbs like 30 45 minutes outside of like downtown houston but laney lives sort of near that right now about 30 minutes away from me and our grandmother lived okay sorry 45 (laughs) our great great grandmother lived like 0.2 miles from where laney is now which i just thought that's so wild that you know like genetically i don't know like are we just like connected to these particular areas because you hear that stuff all the time i love it i mean i can walk my dog over there and just it's a different house of course but yeah it's so cool that her feet have walked on the same yeah path as me exactly and that's what i think we forget about a lot a lot of times is that the the land we're walking on is ancient no matter how you put it like america may feel new but like the land has been here and people have walked it and so everything has history and this is the reason why i love history is because like there's just a story to everything everything don't take ashley to a garage sale yeah no one wants to i mean i love garage sales but no one should take me i really just need to go by myself 
you, you need a whole... No one needs to interrupt you. You need a whole garage for all the stuff you buy at the garage sale. <laughs> right. Have you seen my garage now? Come on. So visitors that have actually gone on McGee's Ghost Tours have reported back um, after their visit that they've had nothing but bad luck after they've left the castle. So they believe that some negative energy or spirit followed them home. And I don't know about McGee, but, you know, having been an avid watcher and other people walk in haunted houses, um, you're supposed to, right, you talk to the spirits, you're supposed to thank them and invite them to stay where they are. You and you say, and do not follow me. Something like that. You need to direct the spirits. From what I hear, I don't active, I'm not a ghost hunter. I'm just going to go ahead and say that now. How do you become a spirit, a spirit director? I don't know, but Lainey's doing it like she's holding lights and directing traffic right now. That's <laughs> not it. Still today, the property is visited by occultists all over to, all over the world. So to end this, I'm going to quote again for the third time from McGee's website. Some of these people say that Huska may be built according to the principles of sacred geometry and consequently may be a portal for teleportation or time travel. Side note, that was one of the other things I did read that Hitler might have been interested in with Huska is that they do believe there's a possibility of time travel. Let me finish this quote real quick. All in all, there are many theories and bizarre stories about this legendary Gothic structure and its surroundings, and some of them have more evidence to back them up than others. As a tour guide in Castle Huska, we'll tell you at the end of your visit, choose for yourself and what to believe. So that was the story of Huska Castle. Huska... <laughs> said it like a yawn. <laughs> Huska. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed it. If you have gone to Huska Castle, we'd love to hear your stories and experiences. Also, let us know of other haunted real estate that you would like to hear about. Thanks for listening and go follow us at haunted.real.estate on Instagram. Or email us at hauntedrepodcast at gmail.com. You reminded me of Moira Rose. Haunted dot real dot estate dot com. What did she say? Don't don't be a pesky pelican. Oh, don't be a disgruntled pelican. <laughs> yes. And that's where I'm going to end this for today. Don't be a disgruntled pelican. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.